So the third episode of Miss Marvel came out on Disney Plus just a few days ago. So today I'm going to be breaking down the episode and giving you my spoiler review. Hey everyone, welcome back to Movie Morning. And today I'm going to be talking about episode 3 of Miss Marvel titled Destiny. I'm going to be going through the episode, breaking down as much as I could find from this episode that you may have missed, as well as giving you my thoughts on this episode and where this season could be going. Now, I'm a few days late. That's because I have been busy. And also because we had Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I don't want to release my reviews too close to each other, or else one pretty much drowns the other out in terms of, you know, people listening to it. So I did have to put some separation when these reviews came out, but I did try to get this out a bit earlier, but I wasn't able to, so I'm going to be talking about the show now, and with Obi-Wan finally wrapping up, I will be talking about the show as much as I can on Wednesdays now, whenever, as soon as they drop, and with that said, let's get into talking about this episode, so when it comes to this episode, I will say that I really liked this episode of Miss Marvel, I've really liked all three of these episodes, now I loved episode one pretty much, and I haven't loved the second, the this, as well as episode two quite as much, but I have still really enjoyed them. Although, while this does definitely give a few, let's say, um, there are a few things that are concerning me just a little bit about where we could be going, especially on the villain side of things. But I will talk about that once I get there, which is, so I'll go about that once I get there. But I have to say that I did really enjoy this episode, and I also really enjoyed last week's episode, even though I didn't review it. And let's get started talking about the episode. So now let's get started talking about the episode full-on spoilers. So there's your spoiler warning. Click off if you haven't seen episode 3 of Miss Marvel and come back to listen to this later. So we start off in British-occupied India. I believe it was 1943. So during World War II, I believe, was when this event was taking place. And here we, we meet uh, the two characters, Najma and Aisha, as well as two other of their clandestine friends as we find and we see them finding the bangle for the first time now in this sequence you can actually see the logo of the 10 rings engraved into the floor so i'm wondering if this has anything to do with that and even the bangles themselves look like the 10 rings as we saw in Shang-Chi, like the literal bracelets that they had but they only find one of the bangles and they're usually meant to find two so i'm wondering if the bangles might actually be like the rings combined together and whether you know Wen Wu's men from Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings organization were actually here and the Wen Wu organization I mean Wen Wu's organization collected the Ten Rings over a thousand years before the events of Shang-Chi which is approximately 900 years at over 900 years before this flashback takes place so maybe they were the ones who killed the people left behind while these apparently have Kree origins, so I'm very curious to see how far that dates back. Now, then we learn that from the next one, when we get, well, then we cut back to the, well, firstly, we just get in the sequence of, we uh, we meet Aisha, who is Kamala's great-grandmother, I believe, and we meet Najma, who's another character who's introduced to us at the end of last week's episode, and he it's revealed that he is Kamran's uh, father, who that's obviously Kamala's crush from last week's episode. Now, then we move back into the present timeline, and we we get Kamala talking to these group of people, and we get Najma telling Kamala that in history, they're kind of known as, they have many names, they're known as an unseen. They're also known as the Jinn, who's kind of worse than ghosts, as Kamala says. However, Kamran hasn't really tapped into his powers 
like they have, but they call themselves the clandestine. So I think that's what I'm gonna use to call them in this case. But Kamala had her powers tapped, her powers were tapped by the, the Bengal that she found. It kind of tapped into her powers, it kind of awakened her powers in many ways. Now, the clandestines who are now trapped in this dimension, they're from another dimension called the Noor dimension. And they're, they're right now exiled and they're pretty much trying to find their way home. And this is kind of what they want. Now, first thing I really liked was that this is a relatable and sympathetic enough motivation to make the villain compelling. Now, when it comes to my issues with this episode, it really comes down to this. I thought we were going to get most of this episode with the villains. However, the way the show is playing them, they're trying to set them up as sympathetic villains. But they're making them so evil by just going after Kamala at a party and trying to rush their goal and rush their plan into place so quickly by making them attack Kamala so early that it just makes them so hard to feel anything for him because of that you just want Kamala to defeat them instantly without much stakes. And another thing that I thought was a bit out of character was later in the episode when Kamala is attacked, she doesn't do anything but try, but try to fight them immediately. And I thought that was an odd writing choice. I don't know if that really is in line with what I'd expect from her character, from what we've seen so far, but that's just something I did want to mention that is a bit sketchy for me. And I have to admit, the villain situation in the show is worrying me a bit because it's been one of my biggest consistent problems with the show is not giving enough time to the villains. And this show seems to be doing something similar because the villains only show up for like the first five minutes of the episode and like the last 10 minutes and all they're doing is fighting in those sequences. So I think it's really hard to make us connect with the villains on that matter. And pretty much most of these Disney Plus shows have struggled to do that. Like WandaVision, as much as people like Agatha Harkness, the only reason is because of that song, I promise you. If it wasn't there, she would not be remembered. And I really thought she was extremely underdeveloped by the end. Then we had the Village Falcon Winter Soldier, who I, I believe his name was Carly. She didn't get enough time. And also, they were almost confused what to do with her. Obviously, with Loki, it was a bit of a different situation. It was telling a different kind of story. We did have, we did have He Who Remains, who came in at the end. But again, he was barely in one whole episode. And then when we came to What If, I guess that's kind of the only exception, but it almost doesn't really apply to that show. Hawkeye, we had a very similar problem. Wilson Fisk showing up for one episode. And then when it came to Moon Knight... We had Arthur Harrow, but I almost felt like they didn't take advantage of the character enough. And by the end, he just kind of became your usual villain, who in many ways was defeated off screen. So these shows have always had a bit of a villain problem. And this show seems to be going similar, weirdly. Then we move back and we get Kamala telling Bruno that they need help to get the clandestines home. Now, Bruno is pretty frustrated by this and her Kamala giving so much attention, taking so much attention away from him and giving more attention to Kamran, even though she just met him. And also, he's older and she just found out that, you know, that they almost have a connection through their grandmother or not being friends with their grandmother. We also learned that the clandestines don't age much more slowly, which is why they are the same which is why the characters are the same age in the present as well as in the flashback in 1943. Now, the one thing I really liked about the series between Kamala and Bruno was that we got a reference to a previous MCU character when we're talking about the Noor dimension, and that is Dr. Eric Selvig, who, if you don't know, is the doctor from Thor, um, played by um, Stellan Skarsgård, and he 
was in Thor and Thor The Dark World and made a small appearance in Avengers Age of Ultron. And I don't believe he's... And he was also in the first Avengers movie. And I don't think he's been in the MCU since. But he was kind of a big part of it for like a four-year period. And apparently he wrote some papers on the newer dimension. So I would not be surprised if we had a cameo from him by the end of the season. Considering I believe they were filming Andor, which he's playing one of the main characters in, around the time they were filming the show. So it just makes sense. Then we get the... Department of Damage Control, who I believe were first introduced in Spider-Man Homecoming when they interrupted Adrian Toomes's, uh, um pretty much uh, reconstructing Avengers Tower, I believe, or collecting all the alien equipment. And they go to the mosque that Kamala goes to to find out about to find out about the uh, to find out about the, about how they think she's working out of this mosque based off her race and what she's been doing and how she looks on screen. So I was really curious how they're going to tie into the season. It doesn't seem like they're a big part of it. Obviously, at the end of last episode, we had them using Stark drones, which they would have picked up from Peter Parker once they, once Spider-Man's identity was out of No Way Home. Although since that identity, now since it's now been reversed, I'm curious to see how the ripple effects of reversing Peter's identity reveal has on the state of the universe and i don't know if it quite lines up if you're if they're i don't know if it's quite gonna make sense because stuff like this is a bit inconsistent because they technically shouldn't have it if if spider-man's identity was never revealed so it's a bit inconsistent and it was a very messy thing to do from the beginning but i think it worked well for that movie i just think with with the context of the universe it really might get a bit messy and we find out here that they are looking for Kamala, although Nakia comes in and pretty much tells them they need a warrant and all that. And we actually learn that she does get on their little council they have at the mosque. So I like that she's one of the ambassadors there now. So I like that we're still dealing with the more mundane aspects of the story as the superhero stuff is getting more crazy. We actually get Kamala also getting on and getting her mask from Bruno, which this scene gave me big Arrow vibes when... Barry Allen first gave Oliver Queen his mask. And there's also a really great line in here when Kamala's talking to one of the people at at her brother's party and they say that good is something you do, not something you are. And that's pretty much a message to Kamala. It almost felt like that they, they knew that Kamala was Miss Marvel and she, they were pretty much encouraging her to to go out and try to save people despite the setbacks and her messing up. Almost hurting a kid pretty well did she did hurt a kid pretty badly by dropping him in last week's episode then we get bruno telling kamala that trying to return them is very dangerous and that he was indeed accepted into caltech and that he will be leaving her which is a very curious development now we learned this last episode but i didn't think they were going to reveal this until the final episode and try to have this goodbye but it does seem like they're setting up for him not to go but him just telling her as of right now but Bruno does tell Kamala it's very dangerous to send it back. But this was another thing that I found it was a bit odd, but that I felt it was a bit underexplained because I would have rather, you know, been told maybe a bit more clearly what was so dangerous about sending them back and how they would even send them back. While Bruno felt like it felt like it was kind of weird that Bruno knew it was dangerous without fully explaining how they would actually send them back. And I would have liked the rules of this to be established a bit more clearly. And I wonder if Bruno had told them this, why Kamala didn't go to the clandestines to talk to them. Because that feels like that's along with her character what they would do. I'm not saying it's a smart thing to do, but that's what the character would do. And I think it's very, she's very similar to Spider-Man 
in that case. So I thought that was a, a weird decision, the way they wrote this entire, pretty much the villain stuff in this episode to me is by far the weakest part. Then we get a bunch of really nice family-centric scenes between Kamala and her mother and and Amir and obviously Kamala's brother and her, and their dad. And I just really like these sequences and they kind of kind of just continue this message of kind of finding your place and how to grow up. And I just really like kind of moving, kind of bringing in these themes into these sequences that kind of play back to back and really work for me overall. Then we get into her brother's wedding. Now, like I've said many times throughout the last few weeks, one of my favorite things about this video has been the relatability factor. And this wedding was almost so relatable in many ways. But during the wedding, it is interrupted by the clandestines as Najma figures out that Kamala has pseudo found a, found a way to kind of try to save the clandestines and send them home. But she comes in and tries to make Kamala help them forcefully. And Karma's able to warn, warn Kamala in advance. But Bruno and Kamala, they're pretty much about to dance. But then Kamran comes in and very rudely interrupts them. But then the clandestines come in. And they, then, then there's this big action sequence. Now, I will also say something about the sequence that I noticed was that the hard light, which is pretty much the code name they're using for Kamala's powers, is actually growing on me. First, I thought it was a bit of a... I thought it was the wrong decision to change your powers from the comics. But seeing kind of how different it is from most other Marvel heroes, it kind of makes sense why they chose to do this. And I have to admit, I think the animation effects are growing on me every episode because I really didn't like the way it looked in the first episode, although I think it's definitely getting better. Now, then we actually get Nakia finding out that Kamala is has been the has been Nightlight, and she has been the person who's been saving all these people, and the one that she's, Nakia's kind of been frustrated by. We get the clandestines arrested in this sequence, too, because they've been attacking a child, pretty much. Kamran is also arrested, but... Kamala goes home, which is kind of where this episode ends, but she still decides not to tell her parents about her powers. But I'm assuming she's going to have to because the episode ends with a call from her grandmother who knows that she has the, the brace, the bangles, because, they, because she told her grandmother episodes ago. And she does know that Kamala did see a train. And now they, she wants Kamala to go visit them, visit her in her hometown. So that's... I'm assuming where we go next after this point. So that's pretty much where the episodes end. So that does come to the end of this spoiler review. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. And I will see you all and catch you all next week when I talk about episode four. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.